How do you get in front of clinical decision makers? This is the root of the sales and marketing challenge for many, and techniques are no longer the same as they were pre-pandemic. Before COVID, the question was, who is a decision maker? Today, the latest questions revolve about how to deliver information to the end users in a way that does not get lost in the noise. How do you generate the qualified meetings and make the connections needed to have meaningful conversations that generate sales? Learn all this and more during today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's Today is time to, to talk through another uh, episode in the MBA podcast. We're earning our MBAs together here with the MedTech experts. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something that comes up constantly, which is how do you get in front of clinical decision makers? It is the, the root of the sales and marketing uh, challenge for us in the industry. And I don't know if you know this, but there's some things that have made that a little bit different than, say, two or three years ago. So <laughs> uh, we, we brought together a panel of experts, and we're going to talk about that. But what's the world look like today? How do we, what, are, what are best practices? What are many practices to do it? With the hope of being able to give you a, a plan, at least, or at least some, some options to test out to try and get better access to those decision makers that that we know drive our business forward. So um, with us today, obviously, Skender, Mike, Barbara, uh, we're, we're all here to talk things through. And maybe Barbara, do you want to give us a, a head start on, on your view of the challenge and some of the things that may be worthwhile for us to discuss? Glad to, Scott. Welcome, everybody. Um, I've been to 10 different uh professional society organization conferences in various capacities, either in a reverse expo booth or moderating a panel or speaking or uh, trying to learn something new. And that is the question that comes up. Now, it did come up in 2019, 2018, et cetera, because it was still hard to get to who is a decision maker in organizations and where do you hide them and how do we get to them and how do we bring them to the table? It's now so uh, muddied because uh, with COVID, if you haven't noticed, everybody is changing everything. They're rearranging deck chairs. They're rearranging everything about their structures, how they do business, when they do business, who they're doing business with at provider organizations. And, and my theme throughout our podcast has been, if you're not looking internally within your manufacturer, supplier, distributor, provider roles at what do we need to do differently, but how do you reach those folks? So a uh, recent panel last week, I had a couple of guests uh, in front of an audience of probably about 150, 200 people and that was one of the big questions. And the panelists said to uh, a person that I've got about 30 seconds to review something that isn't coming from within my organization, provider organization, that's a priority. And everybody looks at them like, how do I deal with that? So I think that's a good jumping off point from everyone's perspective here. How does that happen? Mike Skender, who wants to jump in first? Gonna go for it. No, go ahead, Mike. This is you. That's, this is that's how you know it's a tough question. Like, ah, hey, you know. You <laughs> well, know. you know, so you know, I've been a sales guy. I've been a business guy for my entire career, and I've always lived by one principle. 
if you don't have enough people who are to have meaningful conversations with that are interested in talking about your product or service, that's why you don't hit your numbers. That's why you're not making your sales plans. That's why you're not bringing home the commission. That's why you're failing. So ultimately for me, it's always been the focus. It doesn't matter that it's post-COVID healthcare. If you are in the business of selling things, you need to have qualified meetings every single day with people who have an interest need in budget to buy what it is that you're selling. Now, for me, what I've always found is the best way to do that and the most predictable, <laughs> repeatable, and fastest way to go is to pick up the telephone and pick up the telephone and call people who you know that you have something to offer. So you know that you can solve one of their biggest problems. You know what their challenges are and you can frame a conversation because for me, nothing beats a meaningful conversation. And so with a meaningful conversation, you can establish rapport, you can establish credibility, you can identify need, you can qualify, you can do all of those things. And that is totally in your wheelhouse, meaning you're in control of that. And so I've always been a proponent of the phones simply because to me, it's something you can control it's something that's predictable. It's something that's repeatable. It's something that's scalable. It's something that you can quantify exactly what your cost per lead, cost per ROI is. And it's something that's worked in 47 countries on the business <clears throat> that we've worked it's, it's coachable too, right? I mean, 100%. you can record a call and then go back and talk to them and be like, hey, tell me about this. So here's how you can do it differently. Yeah. And Scott, that's a great point. You know, one yeah. of the things that I love is you, know, you, you actually script a meaningful conversation. Now, when I say the word script, a lot of people wince and they get like that lemon face and they think about telemarketers who are calling them at home, reading off a script and sounding like you know, disingenuous and just sounding like they don't know what they're talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, the way to do this is to formulate a conversation where just like an actor saying the lines is that it comes off in your personality with your with true meaning and true delivery and true ability to respond to questions and answers. And the beautiful part about the phone, Scott, as you mentioned, is that you can record the calls so you can kind of bake that conversation every single time the same exact way and get consistency in the way that you are being represented, which I would ask people today, go to your salespeople and tell them that, you know, pick, you know play the role of the customer. And have them pitch your service to them. Pick up the phone and have them pitch your service. I think you would be frightened at what they sound like because yeah. they're all winging it. Whereas a professional has a, has a very well-planned out call. And by listening to the phone calls, these call recordings, you can coach up and make sure that people, when they get this objection, they can say this response. And so that way you can 100% make sure that you're always being represented and uh, answering the questions the way that you want to be uh, yep. represented. I, I think I think one of the things that we're seeing uh, again our our entire sales and marketing capability inside this industry is is changing rapidly, right? It, like it's it's really different than it was. I, I don't think that it's rather I'll I'll say it more definitively. Back when I was at Medtronic running commercial innovations, we were looking at things like reduction of rep access. Uh, employment of physicians by health systems, the professionalization of supply chain and finance getting involved in decision-making. 
as these big mega trends that were occurring. And, and the, uh, the reality is like, all we saw in COVID was like all those things sort of 10 axed overnight. And one of the things that I think is, um, I'm, I'm going to loop back to, to why I think you're right about the calls. One of the things that frustrates me about our industry is, uh, and I say this with all the love of my heart, we think we're special, right? We think we're these wonderful little snowflakes of like my industry, you know, my medical device is different. I have to be face-to-face with, uh, you know, the, the surgeon because like I got to be shoulder to shoulder with her and her or him or whatever for them to understand. And I feel like that is arrogant and wrong. Like there's, there's no other way to say it. It's just wrong. I mean, there are, there's so many other industries that have a technical specificity on par, if not more involved than a medical device that have actually adopted best practices when it comes to go to market, right? A good marketing strategies, right? Good phone presence, things like that. And I think I think we're a little insulted or, or, you know, our feelings are hurt that, hey, we're really not that different. And I think that's that's the reason why people are fighting it, right? Well, you know, you know, building upon that and what you what Mike said, here's what I think is the challenge is the reason why we thought we were special is even through the last half of the 2010s, we were probably still the only industry where the vast majority of sales openings, the opening of discussion was still predicated upon a rep. Mm-hmm. starting the discussion. Almost every other industry across commerce, tech, manufacturing, whatever it may be, it started off with a phone call and it's migrated to the web. But in our industry, it was still predicated upon that rep walking in the door of the big building and walking through the halls and trying to initiate discussions. Mm-hmm. And now that that is minimized in every aspect, we it's just basically a who move my cheese functionality it's almost us just trying to capture what every other industry has gone to is mm-hmm. there has to be another vehicle that allows for that initial onset of a discussion that little initial interest to occur which is not what's happened here yeah so I, I was think- on a live LinkedIn broadcast this morning between nine and 10 a.m. And you could put in your questions, all that sort of stuff. And the individual giving this presentation got really excited when someone asked sort of a similar question, what we're talking about. And they said, phone call. They said, I spent a long time curating a list of organizations key contact and LinkedIn was one of the spaces that they used, you know, in a professional way to kind of gather information. And it was that phone call because a, most people may not even be answering phones, but you can leave a message. And if you do what Mike says and leave a purposeful message, and then if you're fortunate enough to have an email address that goes along with it, as soon as you hang up, you refer to, here's an email that you'll be getting from me and I'll be contacting you. Let me know what a good time is or whatever. So the phone call was the thing that was sealing deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Barbara, you know, it's interesting that you say that because right now the data that we're seeing, it's gotten monumentally better. It got worse, you know, because of COVID and all the changes, but now the data's readjusted. And today you can buy direct dial phone numbers to the decision maker, 
right? So it, which means like if I want to get to the director of nursing or the head of risk management or the OR manager, I can go to definitive healthcare or I can go to Zoom info and I can buy that person's direct phone number. I mean, this is amazing to me. So mm -hmm. now I have a direct number to this person. And if I frame a conversation, now that conversation cannot be, which a lot of people are doing, hi, my name's Mike. I have this great medical device that I want to sell you and I want to talk to you about it. That is not going to get you anywhere. But mm -hmm. if you frame the conversation like, hi, I'm working with such and such hospital and we help them solve this problem, which I think is something you may be interested in. And it is something that you know is one of their pain points and you frame the conversation elegantly, you're able to have this meaningful conversation. And yes, not everybody's sitting by the phone and you're gonna have a direct one-to-one -one call to pick up, but, it, but right now it's about a 15 to one ratio, meaning you dial the phone 15 times you're going to get one decision maker on the phone. So now I can have two to three meaningful conversations per hour. And mm -hmm. if I work an eight hour day, that means I'm talking to 20 to 30 decision makers per day. If I just have a 10% success ratio, I'm putting two new opportunities in my pipeline. And let's say my average opportunity is $100,000 per year. That means I'm putting $200,000 a day into my pipeline. Yeah. And that's why the phone, for the folks that are using it, like the big guys, the McKessons and the GEs, who we helped put on the map early on years ago, are crushing it. And why the, the young companies today who now have this ability to do this are really, really doing well. So I encourage everybody, if you're not using the telephone, it is the fastest way to get predictable and repeatable results. I just, I just had this image of you with like a shrine to Alexander Graham Bell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> come here, Watson. I need yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. But, but Scott, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because I've been predicting this as well for a long time, and now mm -hmm. because of COVID, I think it's going to come true. Is that now everybody's starting to jump on the bandwagon? I mean, I've been banging this drum for twenty years. Yeah. But now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. And so what I believe is going to happen is just very similar to what's going on when you enter the hospital is you're going to have to get credentialed or have a relationship with the hospital in order to be able to even make a phone call to that hospital because mm. they're just going to get bombarded just like they did in the, the B2C market where there's that do not call list. So mm -hmm. right now is the opportunity for everybody to at least develop the relationship to be having conversations so you won't be blocked out when they do put this legislation, which has to be coming. That's yeah. number one. Number, really two interesting. Is, number two is, you know, as people are coming in, I, you know, I love the phone. I think it's a great mechanism right now, but I'm also a realist that the best leads, right? That's a proactive way to get a lead, mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. But the best lead is when somebody raises their hand and says, I'm interested without you soliciting them. Mm -hmm. And that's why the powerful things that, you know, Skender, you're doing with your organization with the webinars and Scott, what you're doing with your organization with the digital is so powerful because that's where somebody now says, hey, I'm interested. And they call you and they like you because they've been exposed to your content. Yeah. I thank you. Yes. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I, I would say one of the um, one of the things that I one of the fallacies that I think we all carry with us is that 
our prospects are not interested in whatever we have, right? And so I think there's this inherent feeling of like, I got to chase them down. I've got to like convince them to spend time with me. And the reality is that that's the wrong way to think about it. If we have something that has value and, and meaning for and, and will help someone do their job better, people inherently want to know what that stuff is. So it's not a matter of like, do I need to chase people down? It's more a matter of making sure that you're presenting yourself quickly to the point around what are the value propositions for that customer? But, you know, it comes back to my earlier point, Scott, on that is there's so many bad habits because we've been spoiled, right? Before Uh I talked about how all sales calls started with a person as opposed to technology, which is the reverse, right? In that same regard today, part of the challenge is that I can recall my first sales call where I went out with as a trainee alongside a senior sales rep and they said, watch this. And we were able to schedule a sales meeting and they opened the proverbial bag, physical bag product. And they just basically went through each sheet of the bag, right? And whether the person was interested or not, they still Mm -hmm. afforded us the time to do that. So the sales reps never had to think about a succinct messaging. They never had to think about what resonates with you. And that's what I think is the challenge today, per Barbara, per everything that each one of you is saying, is the idea of 30 seconds to grab that message instead of the 60 minutes of let me go through page one of my product portfolio and Mm -hmm. you'll be completely intrigued by the time I get to page 18. Um, That doesn't happen. And I think that's part of the reset of the, of the focal focal group uh, focus for our, uh, for our, our, our really cohort of salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another thing that happens is, and this happens every single day, every conversation I have when I'm on virtual uh, committee meetings or uh, talking to colleagues or doing a variety of things is somebody says, hey, I just ran across a product or a service that's doing X. And that message gets transmitted to tens, hundreds of people within professional organizations and others. So this is sort of how the provider world gets to know you as well is through practice. So if you can get to that one or two people that Mike was talking about or the folks that are raising their hands because Scott's doing a good job of doing his micro-marketing, then the provider organizations are going to be able to spread that. They also do the opposite. If someone onboards something and has a bad uh, uh, experience, but they're not treated very well, or how come they're not calling me or whatever, it's it's like tenfold in the wrong direction. Barbara, one of the things that I think that you do Uh, from the outset is something that really needs to be folded into what I do, what Skender does, and what Scott does. And that is, there's a lot of people out there, we're all promoting our stuff. So everybody's on social media. I mean, it's free for God's sakes. I mean, you could be on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's free. And everybody's putting up these boring tiles or these videos that are just droning on about the company history and how great they are. And meanwhile, that's not interesting to anybody. So there's a lot of shit out there. 
And so how do you rise above that? And how do you actually stand out to a doctor, a physician, a clinical specialist? And that's doing what you do, Barbara. And that's showing you know, where is this value? And then that Scott Skender and myself and our organizations being able to frame that story. So that way, when people see, hear, and feel that content, then they react to it. Because if you're just out there doing that boring tile or that boring video, that's not going to fly. Yeah, so totally. You said the right word was story. Mm -hmm. Rapid. Uh, we got about five minutes left. Let's let's sort of rapid fire it. So I'm a new company. I my eyes are opened. Right. Teach me, uh, team. What do I do? What's the what are the give me some steps and, and what are some opportunities for me to make this happen today? Well, I'm going to pick up where Mike left off is uh -huh. you really do need to have a solid value message. Why are you different? Why did you start your company? Why is it important? And how are you going to help change healthcare for the future? And if you can't answer any one of those questions, then you need to rethink what you're doing. I actually think it's and, and I think it's the reverse, Barbara. I think that's the problem is too many people start with I. And they're oh, not yeah. thinking of you, right? Mm -hmm. And if you really want to tell a compelling story, I think that's where so many people screw up. And that's what I was telling that anecdote about the guy who went through the whole book. They didn't care about everything that we had. Really, it could have been one product. And if he did his homework and if everybody mm -hmm. does their homework, right? There's so much information and news around us, but all the challenges, supply issues, labor issues, et cetera, just pay attention and mm -hmm. start your discussion with, I don't know if this is happening to you, but I'm reading amongst your cohort that this is the main challenge that's being experienced. And if it is an issue for you, here's why we're here today, because I think I've got something for you. Start with you, not I. Yeah. What's and that? that's what I meant by all my yeah. questions, because somebody today in another conversation had two brand new nitrile glove manufacturers that they wanted to bring on board and stuff. And I said, boring. I said, <laughs> it's not the problem anymore. So people are trying to fix an old problem rather than what's the current problem. And don't just think because you thought about something over drinks with someone else and this is really a great idea. Mm -hmm. Is it really solving a problem that people really have? Yeah. yeah. So we're both right. Yeah. And even with that nitro gloves thing, right? Think about a way to be like, okay, maybe it's not the most pertinent thing. But talking to people about my gloves are made in America, that's still oh, a yeah. top-notch issue, right? So gloves may have been deprioritized, but the idea of domestic manufacturing is still a priority. Your story can still yeah. add value if you look through the tea leaves. I have products that you can buy. Yeah. I, I think I think yes, we need to make sure we have the value propositions dialed in for them. I think that we also need to be ready for um, we need to understand who's who's the person that's going to champion this product or service into a customer and who are the other constituents that will be involved along the way. And how do we how do we understand translating our product or service into the value propositions that are relevant for the first person? We'll call them surgeon Dr. Smith. But then also the other people, financial and operational, because because that's where I see a lot of companies going wrong is they get that opportunity and then they get stuck because they don't have a good answer as to what's, how do we implement this thing or how much is it going to cost? It's three times more expensive than what we're already doing. 
So building out that, that picture and then doing it, like putting it out there and understanding that it's, this is not the kind of thing where you can just like dip your toe in the water. Like this is the world. If all, if, if you're looking at your, uh, if you're looking at your structure, right, from a sale, if you're a sales marketing leader, chief commercial officer, whatever title you have, and you're looking at it and you're like 99% of my uh, budget goes to salespeople, you're doing it wrong. You know, like if you think about the average cost of a salesperson or average take-home pay for a salesperson in, in our industry is about $150,000 a year, you can do a lot of things to actually get down the road in terms of this approach for what it costs to have one salesperson. You call Mike, call me or other people and build these kinds of campaigns, but doing something and not just kind of spinning your wheels, I think is hugely important in this, in this. Creativity, space. right? Creativity. Yeah. You know, it's be like creative. that introspective thing I was talking about. You really need to think and know and understand. It, you know, what's funny. I, I agree with you on the creativity thing. And again, we are professional creatives. So like, that's part of what we do, but man, the bar is so low. Like the bar is so low guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just literally showing up, like imagine you're showing up and then uh, to, to the, to the dance and the pretty, you know, the prettiest girls in the world are standing there wanting to talk to you. Like that's, that's where we are. And um, it's, it's maddening to me when I'm, when I tell people like, you just need to start doing it and you will see the results are incredible. And, and yet it's, I think there's still that tension of like, I'm just not ready. We, we spoke with a, a, a large organization uh, yesterday, I mean, a very large organization and with a senior salesperson, and they were complaining to me about their implementation process and how, because of the labor issues, they've had to implement at the same hospital three times, okay? Because each time there was total turnover amongst the team. So it was like a completely new customer. And so they were going through the process and they're like, we have flown to this hospital in a remote area. It was very expensive. Numerous people, they have flown in to do this three separate times. And the only answer I could come up with, and it, it was my New Jersey bluntness that came out. I said, what is wrong with you? Like, didn't you figure out after the second time, like maybe there's like a new way? Like, I mean, why why would you do it three times the same exact way? But it's because they were still thinking through the same old paradigm of this is how we've done it. Mm-hmm. There is no thought process to something, let's try something different. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott, one of the things that you said was, you know, what would I do or what's, what can somebody do? Like from leaving this podcast, what, what's an actionable item? Uh-huh. Well, the bottom line is, you know, it's a very competitive space, whether you're going to be using webinars or podcasts or social media or inside sales or value proposition services. There's, you know, in my business alone, we compete against 140,000 companies worldwide. So how do you differentiate yourself? How, you know, how do you pick somebody? And I would not want to, you know, when you're going to go in after something and you have your whole business hinging on the success of sales and marketing, it's like climbing Mount Everest. I would, if it's my first time climbing Mount Everest, I would not want to do it myself. I'd want to get an expert guide to walk me every step of the way. So there's a lot of choices out there. My recommendation is this. Don't do it unless you bring in expertise. Either bring in that expertise in-house and make sure that that person has done exactly what you're looking for and has Mm -hmm. a track record of doing it in the past and can show you examples of what they're doing today to get the results that you want. 
because the people that can do it are doing it now and they'll, they're willing to show you. So transparency and results from the professionals that you choose either internally or outsource to is my main recommendation. Just make sure you hire the best because you need the best right now. Yeah, that's an excellent point, right? You go, you, if you have a, my, my wife was a collegiate athlete and um, had some injuries and uh, is it James Andrews is like the world renowned shoulder uh, shoulders, his knee, like orthopedic University of Alabama. Yes. Right. And so she had, she's torn her ACL twice, same ACL. And um, the difference between the first guy who was in, you know, Kentucky and was just kind of up and down the street guy. And then like the world's best is like night and day. And, um, and it's true. Like there is skill matters. So I, I, I agree with you, Mike, like you need to make sure that you got the people to get you to where you need to be. Cause if you're climbing Everest and uh, you don't make it to the top then, and you don't make it down cause you did it wrong, then you end up becoming a landmark for other people <laughs> along the way. <laughs> exactly right. Don't, don't die on Everest. Um, I don't know. I think we've had a great conversation, but, but final thoughts, Skender, Barbara, Mike, what do we wrap up with? Barbara? I mean, I think we kind of said it all. I think we did the round the horn and sort of wrapped up, but really it, it, you've got to hone your message and make sure as Skinder says, why are you doing this? It's for the plural we, you know, how do we help healthcare and how do you have a part in it? And my final shot is it's not how to do it, right? If you're thinking about how to do it, that's not the conversation you should be having. You should be thinking about who should be doing it for you. How do you bring in the right talent to get the job done? Because you just don't have the time to learn today, folks. You, you know, time is of the essence. Competition is fierce. You're burning capital. Get somebody in who could get the job done for you. Uh, I'm going to end with a shameless plug, not so shameless. Um, in answer to this issue, one of the things that we're actually putting together is what we're calling a virtual clinician expo. So we will be putting on an exposition, hopefully in January or February, that will be virtual means that will give an organization an opportunity to speak in round robin format with 10 specialists of their choice. So they have about 10 minutes with each specialist to go through their sales pitch and we're trying to create connectivity in an area where there is a challenge to this. So please stay tuned. Um, we'll be giving out more information as we get closer to it. Uh, but it's something in response to this big challenge. Because we've heard from our provider customers, those surgeons, they're willing. They just, amongst all the noise of everybody contacting them, they don't know which ones to answer. So if we're helping them filter through some of that and, and only bringing in some of the cream of the crop, they're eager to talk to people as long as it's meaningful. Yeah. And, and my last thought, that's awesome. By the way, I think that that sounds fantastic. Um, my, my last thought is uh, to echo what you just said, that they're eager to talk. You just need to speak in a language that is interesting to them. And uh, there's no better time than now to build pipeline, to, to get new sales opportunities and then get them into closing. Like now's the time to do it. So um, anyway, on uh, behalf of uh, the med tech experts, I want to thank all of you who are listening and um, yeah, look forward to uh, having you join us for another podcast and have a great week. Thanks so much. Thanks everybody. 
We learned today that there are ways to find the clinical decision makers and get in front of them. Getting on the phone, scripting the dynamic speaking points to hit all of their highlights and pain points. Learn from this by recording the call and coaching yourself in reverse. Breaking down the plays to increase consistency and review for weakness to make sure that you are answering the questions how you need to in order to make the conversion. Understand that there are other fields that have the same technical aspects to their industry where you can learn from their success and failures. Use the tools that are available to you before you get on site to start the conversation on the right foot. Join us for the next episode as we continue to earn our MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.